When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Can we go in the viewer discretion as advised room, Juanita? Please. <laughs> yes. This is what my apartment really looks like. <laughs> it's true. This side is the naked dinner party images. Um, I started doing naked dinner parties about 10 years ago. Uh, some friends asked if we could do a dinner party and photograph it for a magazine in my apartment. And I said, yeah, that sounds like a great idea, but why don't we have the guests all naked? And they were like, oh my God, yeah, that sounds fun. <laughs> uh, then that word got out. And then I had, what, 30 people over the next time. The last one I had, I probably had 50 people in my studio apartment, which was insane. And I've had guest chefs from all over San Francisco come. And then after, now that it shows up and these are out, I got texts the next day of like, when is the next one? I want to be at the next one. Well, people need to come in and um, go in the viewer discretion advised room. It reminds me of when I used to rent videotapes when I was a kid and they had the little beaded curtain yeah. and I never <laughs> could go in. So I'm glad I can go in this one. We, we wanted to put a beaded curtain up. That was a thought. <laughs> you just heard Juanita Moore and Mr. David giving us a tour of the SF Arts Commission exhibit, Juanita, 30 Years of More. Welcome, Heather Knight, and welcome back to the podcast, Tony Bravo. Hey, Queens. <laughs> Love it. So Peter and I recorded with Mr. David and Juanita um, already, but we wanted to bring you on to the intro because we have decided you are the official Total SF drag correspondent. You've written many times about Juanita Moore, and we wanted to pick your brain, give listeners a little background that they may not know. Uh, well, I accept this honor and will we'll happily report from the front lines at uh, Aunt Charlie's and Oasis and all the other places where drag is happening in the Bay Area. Um, and secondly, it's hard not to write about Juanita Moore. I mean, she has so much going on, her mural project, DJing, her pride party, and now this exhibition. Yeah, I didn't know much about Juanita Moore. Tony, you've written several stories what I'm learning quickly is that her reach as a drag icon goes far beyond any stage. I have to say, Juanita is hard not to cover. She has so much going on, uh, as evidenced by the podcast, the mural projects, DJing, um, activism, community involvement, and, you know, being a pretty celebrated drag queen. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're joined on the podcast by Mr. David, uh, David Glamamore. How would you describe this relationship, this bond? I, I think it's a, uh, I think they are both each other's muses. Um, I think that they're both inspired by each other. I think that uh, nobody makes, could make Juanita look the uh, the way that Mr. David does, except Mr. David. That's, uh, it's not just that they understand each other's aesthetics. I think they understand each other. Yeah. And we learned that Mr. David is Juanita Moore's drag mother and has created all 4,000 of the dresses she's worn in the past 30 years. Yeah, 4,000 dresses in the past like 30 months probably is more <laughs> like it. Juanita has, I don't believe that she only has 4,000 gowns. I think it's probably more like 12. <laughs> <laughs> well, the exhibit once again is Juanita, 30 Years of More. It's free and open to the public Wednesdays through Saturdays from noon to 5 p.m. until November 12th, get there quick. Heather, what caught your eye? We got a little tour. 
Well, I'm bummed that our transit month is over, but when I heard that this was an option for our next episode, my other favorite San Francisco subject, drag queens, I jumped at the opportunity, sent you the pitch from her publicist immediately and told you we were doing this. Yeah, well, so if we want to combine transit and drag, Heather, I have the perfect total SF episode for us. We get a bunch of drag queens on the F car with us. Oh my God, I would die. Yeah, well, don't die until we do it. (laughs) Well, we cover a lot in this episode, a lot of fashion and Juanita's drag history, but also some detours. We talk about San Francisco, how it still has a soul, and how it can get its glamour back. There's some unexpected talk about albondiga soup. Juanita and I bonded over cooking. Sorry, Heather, if that went on a little bit long. Yeah, I can cook basic things, keep my kids alive, but I don't know (laughs) (laughs) as deep as you and Juanita. Yeah, well, you walk away from this episode with a new soup recipe. Um, We also have new phone calls at the end of the episode. Another great request for a future episode that I think we'll be able to fulfill. Leave a message, ask us a question, make a suggestion on the Total SF party line. We have a party line now. I love the idea of a party line. It is like cable access, (laughs) you know, analog nostalgia up here at Total SF. I'm all for it. Yeah, we're in the archive right now. We're going to have VHS rentals next. Um, Total SF Party Line, 415-777-7413. Once again, 415-777-7413. Leave us a message. Ask a question. Thank you for joining us, Tony Bravo. Will you stick around for the phone calls? I would not miss the party line. (laughs) I'm Peter Hartlob here with Heather Knight, dreaming of F cars full of drag queens. And this is Total SF. Thank you very much. Juanita Moore, welcome to Total SF. I'm happy to be here. We're sitting in the San Francisco Arts Commission Main Gallery on Van Ness Avenue, which is now showing an exhibit honoring you called Juanita, 30 Years of More. What kind of memories come back just walking through that gallery we just got a wonderful tour of? Collaboration. Uh, One of the things that I'm really proud to say is that I am not really truly the creator of this. There's been a lot of other people involved. In the beginning, uh, Mr. David here, who's my drag mom, did my makeup made my dresses, somebody else did my wigs. Like it was a constant artistic collaboration. I was the vehicle and I was driving it, but other people were really making it happen for me. I may say you were the instigator. I was also an instigator. I was also an instigator. But as you could see, there's- You bring people together. That's one of your things. 30 years of collaboration with a lot of people. How did this exhibit come to be? Oh, gosh. Last, last fall, I just, it clicked, and I was like, oh, wow, we're, we're next. emperor and empress. Yeah, in the middle of us being <laughs> emperor and empress. This is Mr. David talking next to me. Um, we, um, I just was like, well, we got to do something for the 30th year. We've also had exhibitions before. I had a 10-year exhibition, um, and I really loved, 24. I think people really appreciated it. Was it, at, was it at the 10th? I think at the 10th one, I, I laid out all my scrapbooks, yeah. which was one of the highlights of that exhibit, of people just going through all that stuff. I saved everything, flyers, matchbooks, 
business cards, every piece of press, uh, letters that people wrote me. Like they all were saved in all these scrapbooks with magazine covers and. Everything. Sounds like she's a hoarder, but she's not. <laughs> Everything's very organized. Well, we'll call me an archivist. <laughs> yes. Instead of a hoarder. Very organized. <laughs> Well, walking through there, I'm not going to ask you what your favorite is, but is your eye drawn to one or two pieces in there that you have fond memories of or you're particularly proud of or just that that your eye goes to them? Yeah, I mean, um, that big pink dress in the middle, when I walked out into the middle of that room and started spinning and pink confetti started falling down from the ceiling. At midnight? Or- it was a moment. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was a moment. What about you, Mr. David? Yeah, well, you know, the thing is, like, so, you know, we make these things and we're usually under wild time constraints. And I'm, like, at her house, like, at, and it's, like, 10.59 and walking out at 11 and I'm finishing the last bit on her. So I don't get to, like, really, like, like really get a good look. Some nights when we're out at a club, I'll sort of trail behind her and just watch how the gown goes. But that doesn't always get to happen either because half the time I have to be on her arm. So getting to look at them like this, and you really get to look, and I, I, I feel so like, oh my goodness, when did that happen? Is like a lot of what I get through this. And I love that because it's like surprising. When we were putting it together, I was trying not to pay too much attention so I could take it all in as any other viewer and just see the whole thing and be like, wow. And I got that the other night. I like actually more this morning walking in Everything's finished in place. And I was like, oh, this is good. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, great. So the other night was packed, so I couldn't barely see either. So this was a good morning for me to just <laughs> see that stuff, you know. I forget I make these things. <laughs> <laughs> and your drag career began on Halloween 1992. The week before. Oh, right before Halloween. Okay, <laughs> correct me. Um, and... Uh, Mr. David put you in drag for the very first time, and legend has it that before he painted your face, he said, you're going to be hideous, <laughs> which obviously did not come to pass. I really did not want to take another my male friends. I'd been doing drag since 81. I did not want to take another one of my male friends, quote unquote, and turned him into another drag queen. It was happening far too much in my but life. I did. <laughs> I came out to San Francisco, and here's my friend saying, oh, put me in drag. I was like, oh. Why? And then that night, and persisted, and I wouldn't take no for an answer. So we tried to make her learn how to walk in a heel <laughs> down the hallway, and I was like, "Good lord, you're I a stumbled. truck driver!" I seriously stumbled. <laughs> just, just truck driver. And then um, that night, I was like, "Oh, we're okay. You're, you have almond-shaped eyes. I can get in on this face." And we did. She went to the bathroom. She came out, padded and dressed, and magically had learned how to sashay down the hallway in like one minute. So, and it was just that night she came, I stayed in that night. She came home and she's like, I'm going out again tomorrow. Make oh, yeah. me a new dress. And that's how that started too. Oh I need a new dress for tomorrow night. I'm going out again. You just loved it right away, Juanita. Um, I loved it. And I did not, I mean, I grew up not, you know, not wanting to be a drag queen. That wasn't part of my queer, uh, queer coming out. Um, I got to see um, Mr. David perform in New York at Boy Bar in probably 86-ish. I was, I was visiting New York on vacation, Before sort of considering, it might have been 85, but I was considering my, a move to go there. 
I was living here in the Castro in 1983 at the start of the AIDS epidemic. So being a little kid, to me, moving to New York was moving away from it. I was like, okay, I'm going to leave San Francisco. I'm going to go to New York. And all this darkness that I lived through and saw every single day, I thought, oh, it's not, it's not going to be there. So and I moved to New York and I moved uh, one block away from Christopher Street and one block away from the West Side Highway. So I literally moved right back into it. Yeah. I left the Castro and moved right back into from the thick the of things there. Andrew the fire. Yes. Yeah. So I got to see David perform on that little vacation trip. And when I was standing in front of the stage and he was performing, I really honestly said to myself, this person is going to be my friend. I don't know how. I didn't meet him that night. I didn't end up meeting him until almost three years later. Mm -hmm. um, and we were immediately friends the moment that we met. Mm -hmm. so, wow. And how many dresses have you designed for her since then? I think we're, we're if we're not a, like over four, we're around 4,000. Whoa. It's like, wow. Yeah. Like, and that's the thing, over 30 years, and she wants another dress every day. <laughs> yeah. But that's also hats and yeah, gloves hats. and purses. And, I mean, we've done shoes. Yeah. I didn't realize how many hats we made until we had to start editing them for that uh, the hat display. I was like, oh, and that's not even half of them. And there's like 30 hats in this joint. And I was like, okay. I love to make a hat. How long does it take you to make each outfit? Oh, God, who knows? I mean, it can take anywhere from like 15 minutes to couple of weeks it just really depends on what it is mm -hmm. the big um, um, the big pink gown when when he was getting ready to connect the bodice to the skirt it took five of us to hold the dress in the air while the while machine he, was in the air while yeah. he was step, stepping on the pedal of the machine literally one thread at a time until we got all the way around the waist rotating because the dress was it's gigantic yeah. right it's, it's 600, 600 yards, yards of tool mm -hmm. oh like we God. had it up in the air in my apartment and then i <laughs> then had to hand stitch and mind you like a few years ago like i had really bad nerve damage so i'm not capable as i was ever before so that was really a daunting task because that was like we just when my arms were like starting to fail real bad so mm -hmm. Plenty of that. Here we go. I, I've always, since I was young, um, been a little intimidated by drag queens. I feel almost like there's a spotlight and I'm going to walk in it. Yeah. So I love the concept of a drag family and a drag house. And I wanted to ask you, how did that start and the idea of a community in orbit of the drag queen? There was other drag houses, of course, in San Francisco. I mean, the Cockettes I would consider oh, a drag house. The House of Fish. There was there was quite a few, right. but um, um, it was just our time. It was what was happening right. here in the city, and it and, and it was and it was happening. I have a very motherly personality. Um, I As take well. care of people, and um, people do come to me when they um, need love, help, get to, need to Food, get fed, money. Yeah. <laughs> all the things, a new look. <laughs> Help with their husband, um, <laughs> a house, everything. Yeah. And Juanita, you're from the East Bay originally. I, I am. Town? Yeah. Yeah. I was born uh, born in Fremont and raised in the East Bay, and definitely, you know, hopped on Bart and came over here in high school to uh -huh. enjoy. Did you my... visit San Francisco a lot? Oh God, I was here all the time. Mm -hmm. um, 
14 years old, 15 years old, 16 years old. I was here. I was running around the city. I was trying to get into the bars. I was <laughs> having sex in the parks. I was just doing whatever I could, <laughs> you know. Um, I also grew up in, I grew up in Hayward, and there were, at the time, four gay bars on my way home from high school and one lesbian bar. So that was also definitely part, part of my growing up. Mm -hmm. It was, um, I'm lucky, I'm fortunate. Um, being queer for me, it was really accessible and it was around me. Um, yeah, it was hard to come out because growing up Catholic and, uh, you know, it's just you're not supposed to do it. So, but all my friends and family accepted it right away. So, oh, cool. Yeah. Did you want to live in San Francisco from when you were a little kid? Um, well, yeah, I, I, it was, you know, it was a playground, which was also my backyard. It wasn't far away. It wasn't like I was running away to some big city or anything. Right. It was just right here. Uh -huh. So I've always loved it. I mean, even I told you earlier that I'd lived in New York for, I lived there for three years, but the first night I was there, I was like, oh, I love it, but it's not my home. Mm -hmm. San Francisco is definitely my home and I'll come back to it. I think you like, like far as like East Bay to here, you've never treated it like it was over there. It's always just been like, that's in, like yes. you grew up down the block and now you live on this corner. Just a baby been, drive. Yeah. Just a ride. It's that's never all. been like a, oh, I got to get out of there kind of moment yeah. from you. No. Yeah. How's San Francisco changed in 30 years of Juanita Moore and how has it stayed the same? Good question. Um, as far as nightlife goes, it's, uh, it's changed a lot. We've lost a lot of um, bars, which has always been a place for us to connect and meet and start community. Um, there have become new places to do that, of course. Gyms are a new place where community starts to happen, which is not where I go, but, um, <laughs> but, um, but it is that. Um, you know, um, we lost a lot of people during the AIDS epidemic here. Um, it's whole changed. sections of town, though, too. Remember, yeah, Townsend is gone. Like, yeah, it's like underneath Townsend, where all the clubs were, they're like, just <laughs> gone. It's all apartments, right? Polk Street now, there's one, one gay bar left. There's probably there's a good handful of queer-owned businesses on Polk Street, but um, only one queer bar. When I'm, did you remember? What was the, the march that you did like a couple years ago where you were like, reminding people of like where mm -hmm. this establishment used to be. Like we hung yeah. wreaths we did, on um, their door. For I did a march or I organized a march with Cleve Jones, the activist uh, called a March to Remember. And we did a sort of tour down Polk Street. And I picked a bunch of friends to talk about businesses that were there in front of those businesses. And everyone just loved it. It was so... The response was so overwhelming, and we ended up doing another one in the Castro, which was also really awesome, and we got that same feeling back. So it was like it was living history, you know. Yeah, it was nice to point out to people that you know this grocery store was once a you know thriving nightlife bar or dance yeah. floor. So yeah, it was pretty cool. We'll be right back after this short break. I seem to read a lot lately, um, a lot of it from people who don't live here, that San Francisco has lost its soul. Do you, mm. do you feel that way? Uh, I don't know. Man, I, I don't think it ever can. I think part of the whole San Francisco thing is that it is constantly this beautiful thing that changes. Maybe it's like more like a prism and you're just like a prism, but you're just seeing like different facets constantly. I came here. 
I've been here 30 years. I finally feel like I can call myself a San Franciscan-ish. Um, but um, I feel like that's part of the city is that it does welcome new things and new ideas and new trends. We may not get the credit for it necessarily out here, but this is where a lot of things start and then get thrown out to the rest of the world and then you can see it in a magazine. So I love that yeah. about this. Uh, that's what I feel about this city is it is constantly changing. It's constantly evolving. So I don't think it can actually lose that soul. Even when people come in and try to whitewash the city, it never... It it will mm -hmm. never happen. I started um, a housing group on Facebook 10 years ago because I'd be out one night and someone in my left ear would say, I need a room. And then in my right ear, an hour later, someone says, I've got a room. <laughs> and I'd be standing at the bar literally searching for the other person. Like, I know they're here. So I started a housing group, which um, is to help people connect, have safe housing, uh, roommate-based. And it's now uh, grown to over 10,000 people. So I am now, I mean, I'm the administrator of the group, but I am seeing who is moving here. They're getting on this list. I'm approving them. And I am so happy when someone walks up to me and says, Juanita, I found the most amazing housing on your list last year. So there are still people who are coming to San Francisco that are queer. Some that have not come out to their families yet that are on my list. Some that are leaving college and were supposed to go to New York for this big job, but felt their heart say, I have to come to San Francisco because that is queer. So I think the most special thing about leaving wherever you are or coming to San Francisco is that San Francisco gives you the opportunity to be whoever you want to be. And that is really special. And that still happens. That's yeah. so well said. Thank you. You're uh, both so quotable. <laughs> Next time you write about this, you've got to include them here. Definitely. <laughs> uh, what about glamour? Is the city as glamorous as it was 30 years ago? We not are. Not yet. right now. <laughs> we are. <laughs> we are. But I'm stepping over glass and shit just yeah. to do it. <laughs> how, do we, how do we get that glamour back? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, you know, most of my events that I've thrown, and for a long time, people know oh, this is Juanita Singh. I got to get up. dressed up to, for yeah. this. I got to get an outfit together. I got to arrive. I mean, my pride party is probably one of the most fashionable events that I throw every year. Yeah. People are done. They're thinking about their outfit already for yeah. next year. We're so, thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking about it too. <laughs> when did that pride party tradition begin? Um, it started in, um, what are we, 18 years now? I think next year's going to be, this next year will be 19. And um, I had already been doing nonprofit events and they were being scattered throughout the year. And I was sort of at a point where I wanted to just do one really big one. So I started doing the Pride events. The first one was at Soluna, which was a little bar right um, next the to the Asian Art Museum. And then I moved it over to um, the Phoenix Hotel mm -hmm. and all, that also had Bamboodle Lounge at the time. We did it there um, until Mission Jones opened. Rock. Um, Mission Rock. That's we we would start and you know, uh, I was we were talking about this a couple weeks ago I can't remember but we started doing like we would do little house parties at her little tenderloin house you know, like a Halloween party and stuff like that that's how all these like humongous parties got started we just stopped having room for people to be in her house and so we had to go out to a venue and it just doors. grew and grew and grew so what makes a good San Francisco party it's a combination of things. Um, of course, uh, great music, 
some great performances. Uh, a venue sometimes has a lot to do with it. Um, energy, good energy. Good energy. We're not particularly bitchy people. And we don't do that. I don't mind sass, but I'm not really into bitchiness. So. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like our tribe or... I think it's very welcoming. People, I'm very yeah. welcoming. I love, mm-hmm. I love people. I love to, you know... We meet new people every single night, no matter what either one of us are doing. Like, that's a, like just sort of what... If I see you across the bar and I've never seen your face before, I want to know how you got there and what you're doing and what your name is. Wow. That's, we've always been... And maybe that's how the family keeps growing too, because they keep, <laughs> keep meeting somebody new every single night. It 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 goes in on itself. And Juanita, you've also been involved in activism and city politics for a long time. And you and Alex, you and founded the People's March and Rally Unite to Fight in 2020 along the original Pride Parade route on Polk Street um, to take Pride back to its activist roots. Can you talk about um, drag's role in LGBTQ politics? Sure. I mean. Um when you look back at that, I mean, we have, we'll go back into the court system, the Imperial Council court system. Jose, once one of the first people to run for a district supervisor in San Francisco. First mm-hmm. person, queer, right. openly gay. He got 7,000 votes. Yeah, which is amazing, right? Um, and then, um, of course, Harvey Milk. Um, but we had Stonewall. We had the Compton Cafeteria Riots here in San Francisco. There were so many events that were charged by people who always didn't feel included. So um, definitely that stands up for how that activism started with drag queens, with people of color. Um, that's, that's definitely how it happened in mm-hmm. the beginning. Well, I, I met um, French Bulldog number one, and there are two more? Yes, I have two, uh, two French Bulldogs, Jackson, who I've had for 11 years. Um, who comes, I have a Jackson mascot who comes to pride parties and comes out on occasion. And then I just recently, a year ago, got a puppy named Macho. This is Percy, Jackson's niece. She does not have a mascot. She's a very dainty lady. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I adopted a dog at, uh, I was age 48, the first time I ever had a dog. And I um, bought a immediately bought like dozens of bandanas, which I accessorized for pride or for watching the warriors. We go blue and gold. My family gives me a hard time for this. What is your feeling on dressing up the dog? Wow, I don't really dress up my dogs. They ha- they do have um, some cute coat outfits and stuff. I feel like if the dog's comfy with it, run, go. <laughs> she'll you know she doesn't dress up all the time, but I've been able to put a tutu on her, and she just loved it for that moment. You know, she wasn't trying to fight it or anything. Yeah, I guess we don't have to force it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, Ripley definitely likes it. Yeah, uh, some dogs really are into yeah, it. The bandana they feel special. I think know? if I were to do like a three piece suit or a headdress or something, that might. <laughs> be too far but <laughs> I'm sticking with the bandanas and I feel like I just got your blessing yeah. <laughs> um, the city has announced it's looking for its first ever drag laureate and some people say you're the obvious choice what did you think of that announcement and do you want the job well um, <laughs> I um, I was excited about the idea of it um, but then when I really thought about it for a second I was like ooh Lord, am I going to have to be in drag every other day at City Hall or Again. at some event? You know, um, I'm in drag a lot as it is, and I really enjoy also not being in drag. So <laughs> I don't know if I need another job. <laughs> 
How long does it take you to get ready when you are getting into drag? It is two hours no matter what. If if I'm doing it really fast, it's still two hours. <laughs> if I'm having a hard time, it's still two hours. And what about at the end of the day to get it all? I can get it off in 20 minutes. Yeah. yeah. She got that yeah, down. I got that part down. And how many times a week, probably, or a month are you getting into drag? <laughs> nowadays? And nowadays, it's good two, three times a week, and that's wow. a lot. Yeah. Or four. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, you've answered all our serious questions, and now it's time for the lightning round. Okay. Where is your favorite place in San Francisco to get a burrito? Ooh, to get a burrito, um, La Palma. Nice. What is your favorite movie filmed in San Francisco? Vertigo. Where's your favorite place to get a stiff drink? Well, a stiff one. I know. Good <laughs> Lord. Good Lord. I'm going to say I'm Powerhouse. I can get a good stiff drink at Powerhouse, and it's in a pint glass. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Bravo tells me you're a big farmer's market fan. Do you have a favorite in San Francisco? Yes. I love um, farmer's market at uh, Embarcadero on Saturdays. That's just a delight to go to. And then I also get to see all my friends that work at Ferry Plaza. So definitely that. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite stage in San Francisco? Mm. Stage. That's a good question. I'd say right now that's going to be Oasis. I love the Oasis. Who is the best wig maker in San Francisco? Well, I've been working. I've been working with with, uh, Rosalie Jacques, who has a wig space over in North Beach. And through Rosalie, I got to meet two people. One of them was Manuel, who did my wigs for almost 15 years, and he was literally a magician. I would give him um, an idea that was really wasn't even supposed to be a wig, and he would do it for me. Mm-hmm. And through them, I met Ronnie Lynn, who is still doing my wigs today, who I just love and adore, and comes over to my apartment to do my wigs, which he does not do for the other queens. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> what is your go-to recipe for family gatherings? Go-to recipe for family gatherings. There's a couple of things that I make a lot. Um, Got a good meatloaf. Uh, yeah, albondigas, I would probably mm-hmm. say, oh, is the one those. thing I make the most. Oh, yeah. I made them uh, Sunday. You my did? mom's <laughs> recipe. Yeah. <laughs> and what's that, the hangover one that you love to do in the morning? It's like uh, 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 with the... The or... Oh, the hominy. Yeah, oh, yeah, menudo. Where does your yeah. alban- uh, albondigas recipe come from? Uh, from my grandmother. And my yeah. mom made them a lot, too. That was one of my favorite things with my mom. Um, I, I grew up in the kitchens of my aunts and uncles and my parents. That's, you know, they'd be like, go outside and play with the kids. I'm like, no, I want to be in the kitchen. I want to be in the kitchen. And that's truly where um, my passion for food came. I still love cooking. Mm-hmm. I cook professionally for years. Every day. Yeah, this is turning into Albondigas talk. Uh, (laughs) My great-grandmother was the carrier of the recipe. My mom carried it on, and she taught me over the pandemic by Zoom. And it's been very, over the years, all of our Mexican recipes are, are, you know, like the tamale line. It took a while for me to go there because there had never been a dude in the tamale line. Yeah, right. But then what I did was I made bad tamales, and my mom saw it and was so offended. It was like, (laughs) you're in. She had to teach. Yeah, um, you know, the uh, bondegas are really, um, they take patience. And I've shared my recipe with maybe only one or two other people. And one time, one of the people, I'm not going to mention their name, on Instagram posted (gasps) that pot of a bondegas cooking. And the fire was so high and the broth was rolling hot 
rapidly bubbling. Yeah. And I called immediately <laughs> and was like, you need to turn that down <laughs> right now. So yeah, probably a bonus. Well, I apologize, Heather, for completely uh, destroying <laughs> our lightning round. <laughs> I, had to talk. I like all the tangents we're taking. Dog bandanas, <laughs> If you could pick one San Francisco venue that's no longer around to bring back, what would it be? Oh, that's going to have to be a restaurant for me. And that would probably be Slanted Door. Hmm. And last question, what is one thing you always make sure to squeeze into your busy day? Oh, a walk with the dogs. Great. Well, this was so fun to talk to you both. It was Thanks great to talk us. to both of you. Yeah, thank Congre- you. Congratulations on the exhibit. It's lovely. I'm going to go back and spend a little more time there. Please and do. Yeah. Don't take any of that jewelry. <laughs> <laughs> I know where to find them. Don't worry. Thank you. So the Total SF Party Line is back. Please leave us a message, 415-777-7413. You may be heard on the next Total SF episode. Here's our first caller. Hi, my name is Daniel T. I'm calling about an idea for Total SF Podcast. Um, I was walking around uh, Noe Valley on the slow Sanchez Street, and I noticed that a bunch of the trees had chalk like names written under them, and it was part of a tree tour. So I kind of looked into it to learn a little bit more and realized that there are these San Francisco tree tours that happen all over the city, and this guy, Mike Sullivan, who does them. Um, I just thought he'd be a great, great uh, person to bring onto the show and learn more about the SF tree tours um, because I think it's – uh, at least for me, it like made me look up a lot more and see what trees were, were on the streets. So that's my uh, recommendation. And uh, uh really like the show. Thanks. Bye. I love the idea of someone just like, like a superhero. I, I assume he's masked just walking around <laughs> with chalk, writing tree facts around trees during the pandemic. This is so total SF. It's very San Francisco. Well, I want to go on the record as saying that I am pro-tree. So <laughs> that is I, a controversial stance. Yeah, I know. And I'm not afraid to make a statement on, <laughs> on a big issue. Um, so I, I actually feel like ignorant sometimes in my own city, um, in my own like region that I've lived in my whole life, not always knowing what the most common things are. I feel like... Um, we could learn a lot about what the municipally, uh, you know, sort of uh, preference trees are that the city puts mm-hmm. in. Trends among different neighborhoods, mm-hmm. what people are putting in on their own. Are we going to get mad at non-native trees like people get when they find out you're not from San Francisco, but you wrote a <laughs> column about the Niners anyway? Oh, the native plant people are serious. Yeah. Do, do, but let's not even talk about them. They, they could do things well you know michael sullivan's not even here yet and we have a really good episode so i think heather (laughs) we should contact mike sullivan and have a tree episode i'm down so um let's get him on great great suggestion hello hello this is lena chavez soria i am an avid listener to total sf and i wanted to just give you guys some major props. I feel like I'm listening to my friends talk when I listen to you guys. I live in San Francisco. My grandma was born here. My mother was born here. I was born in Berkeley, but I had, I gave birth here too. Anyways, loving your podcast. Love Tony Bravo. I got to work with him once. I'm a freelance makeup artist here in the city. So I worked with him a few years ago and he was super fun. And I love that you guys know him and, and talk about him too. 
Um, what else? I just love San Francisco and I love the rich history and I love learning everything that you guys talk about. It's just super fun and down to earth too. And I love your banter. So keep up the good work and I would love a t-shirt. Okay. Tony, we surprised you. You oh, have a fan. Um, was that Lena Chavez? Yeah. Yes. Uh, we worked together uh, back in the old style section on a couple of photo shoots. Uh, those shoots were great. They took us to places like the Marin Civic Center when it was closed and uh, behind the scenes at Fort Point. Lots of iconic San Francisco locations in front of the Diego Rivera mur- mural at uh, the City Club. Nice to hear from you. Yeah, yeah. And uh, wants the T-shirt. I'm a little late getting the T-shirts out if you've been a caller before. but um... Well, she's got good taste if she likes this podcast. Yeah. And she worked with me, so obviously. <laughs> That was a great call. Um, thank you for listening. You're definitely going to get a T-shirt. I think Tony should get a T-shirt right now. We have I, a stack. We do have a stack right here. So I will we wear will, it proudly. We will get you your T-shirt, Tony. And uh, thank you very much for coming on. We're going to have you on again, the F-Line Drag Queen episode, <laughs> if not sooner. I, I am already like making lists of drag queens in my head. And we're going to make this an inclusive drag queen event. Yes. We, we want all kinds of queens. Let's do it. Well, thanks again to our callers, 415-777-7413, to leave us a message on the party line. Thanks for listening to Total SF. Thank you for listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Our music today is from the Sunset Shipwrecks, Castro organ player David Hegarty, and cable car bell ringing from eight-time champion Byron Cobb. Support Total SF in the newsroom that creates it by investing in a digital Chronicle edition. It's less expensive than you think at sfchronicle.com slash pod. <laughs> Loved it. I miss that so much.